All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! This show show explores television content that's been available for consumption for quite some time. If a spoiler or two slips into the conversation, well, you were warned. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Really hoping we don't have any like major technical problems this week because if we're gonna, and we should say this up front, to, to let me off the hook as the producer of this show, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're gonna try and post this in the same night we record it. It is Wednesday, September 14th. If this just hit your queue before you went to bed, uh, this was recorded hours before uh, where you are in the universe right now. So uh, that what, that's a long way of saying it's unedited. Yeah. So it'll sound a little bit different, perhaps a little bit more loose, and, and maybe it'll force us to be a little bit more disciplined about how we talk. And the things we need to talk about are so important that we couldn't have any lag time in between at all. The fact that Colin's even getting up to adjust my mic right now is actually really concerning me because we've got so much to cover. Colin, go sit down. Okay, I'm sitting down. Okay. I'm fine. We're okay. You filled in the blank perfectly because that's that otherwise would have been an empty space that would have just sat there. And I would have been like, and he is walking to... My mother and your mother were out hanging close. I wonder if little kids today are still skipping rope. I don't know. That's happening. I was talking on the radio yesterday about Barbie because there's some new study about how Barbie is bad for people. And because that happens like every six months. Yeah. And I wondered, does it really matter if little girls aren't playing with Barbie anymore? If she's bad for like if if heroin, nobody's doing heroin. We don't have to talk about how heroin's bad for you. Kids are not doing heroin anymore. It's crazy. As far as I know, uh, but it might be more likely that they're doing heroin than playing with Barbie on the school ground. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and challenge that assumption. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> See, this is an example of something, something I would have edited out oh. when I said something dumb. Oh, now they're, uh, they're going to get it all tonight. I'm going to give myself one more challenge sure. for the sake of this podcast. Uh, when we jump off on other tangents, which is bound to happen, mm-hmm. I am going to forbid myself from referencing the Howard Stern show. Okay, great. No Howard Stern references. And if you say it, I'm going to take a shot of whiskey. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's going to turn it into a drinking game. The whiskey is full of gluten, so yeah, it's a further motivator for me not to... Right, because I'll get farty. Yeah. I wouldn't want that to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so are we going to start with our typical just like chat that we kind of do as we get into the pod, as we get into the structure? So maybe as somebody who really doesn't listen to this show, you don't realize that I always leave that in. Like sometimes it's you and I talking for like 10 or 12 minutes no, I before, know. before the theme song kicks in. Right. But usually we start doing that and we we have a little bit more of a timeline and we don't want to go off topic quite as much. So <laughs> Unsuccessfully. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> bound to happen. In any case. All right. I was I was gonna just, ask just you. Just do whatever, whatever you want. I was gonna ask you first if you listen to the uh Bo Burnham podcast. I'm like, on. I've I've got about an hour left. Yeah, I think I'm in the exact same place. You made it weird. He was on Pete Holmes, um, and since I can't talk about, <laughs> I'll have to talk about Pete Holmes twice as much because they're my two. <laughs> was he leaders. on? <laughs> no, no, oh, no, okay. no, no, no. Uh, 
Yeah, it's like it's it's a really fascinating thing, and I think for like ten minutes after I turn it off at every point today, mm-hmm. I'm like full of piss and vinegar, and I'm like, we gotta change the world. <laughs> I know, I'm going with him on every single thing that he says, and I then I turn it off, and I'm like, the fact that I'm going with him on everything that he says is probably something that he wouldn't be cool with. You know what bums but me it out makes about so much sense. What bums me out about people who are like him, which is to say, uh, on a on mm-hmm. a really emotional diatribe against the establishment yeah namely under the guise of popular culture that seems to be his main target yeah um i i mean i'm a big fan of it and i as a pop cultural junkie and enthusiast i still agree with the bulk of what he's saying Uh, and i love the way he's able to articulate it so so naturally right um but it's it's only troubling to me because i like to think that being a fan of bo burnham's he and i could be friends Right, and I don't. I don't mean like I'm. I'm buying into the idea of celebrity, although I am to a certain extent. I just mean by being a famous person who performs is you're you're trying to create an intimacy with your audience, and thereby trying to trick us into thinking that we are on the same level. And that's, by the way, the moral of all of his rants. We should be on the same level. Right. But if I were in a room, if I were at a party with Bo Burnham, even as a fan. I would never be able to go talk to him. And I'm not even saying like I couldn't go tell him, hey, I'm a fan. Thanks for your work. I, I couldn't like be in a poker game with Bo Burnham because I would be so scared that he wouldn't like what I am. I, I, know, what you, I know what you mean. That you, I, I'm against his, his very strict code of right and wrong. Right. Or that he's against what you're saying. Yeah. Or, or or being a fan of Taylor Swift, he'd consider me part of the problem. Right. Like that's like really, really troubling. Exactly. Like, I know it made me be like, oh man, sometimes I watch YouTube videos of Jimmy Fallon, but then he goes and he's like, and I watch it and I love it. And I hate that. I love it. That is the saving grace. Right. You're the right. The fact that he's, and, and he, he gives himself a few outs. He's like, yep. honestly, like a year from now, I'm probably going to be saying the exact opposite. So like, who knows? But he's so, he says it with such conviction. Well, did you get to the part where he was talking about how it's maybe not- we should, maybe we should give some background sure. for anyone who hasn't listened. So basically the bulk of of what Bo Burnham's saying in this podcast on You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes is that he just thinks popular culture is such bullshit Toxic. and he hates the fact that Ricky Gervais is getting $2 million to stand in front of the Emmys. Even the fact that he's so self-aware that he's doing it is such bullshit. Like, dude, you're famous. Stop getting more money Like, and, and pretending like you're not super famous when we know you are and we're right. also happy to sit here and watch you go on a late night show like Jimmy Fallon. And then he called, he basically says like Stephen Colbert is the biggest pussy ever. And like the greatest fall from grace ever. He's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I mean, I know we, we did a podcast a few weeks ago and I never really thought about it in terms of him taking over for David Letterman. The styles are, are not alike at all, but it's true. Like the comedy of Stephen Colbert has nowhere near the teeth that David Letterman did. No. And especially in no, his not heyday. in this incarnation, right? But, in, in the Colbert Report, it absolutely See, did. that's that's the problem, is that if there was going to be a guy among the seven or eight white guys who were doing late night shows, right. it was supposed to be, I mean, uh, five years ago, it was supposed to be Conan, but then it was supposed to be Stephen Colbert, and you'd like to assume that CBS hired him because of his edge. Mm. Not that he has to assume that, that pundit character forever and ever, right. like Bo said, but you would think that he would be able to... Again, like... Well, one of the things that Bo said was, wouldn't it be awesome if he just did a parody of the late night show where he was like almost doing what he did on Colbert Report, but 
as like a douchebag rich guy hanging out with famous people make and, a new character yeah yeah that would be interesting because i mean a couple of different shows have tried to undress the classic late night formula we talked sure. about this in our recent podcast as well but right. how craig ferguson would tear up the comment cards the right the question cards before well, we, the guest would come out and his sidekick was a robot we didn't talk about the eric andre show at all that's a good point which is so funny and so, like talk about a show that is doing everything it can to deconstruct it. And I'm sure Bo Burnham probably loves Eric Andre. I get that. Have you seen any of the Eric Andre show? Just in clips when he goes on other shows, which is ironic. Yeah. But usually the flavor they give you is, whoa, this is out there. Right. Like he'll be sitting there. He'll be sitting behind the table and Hannibal Burris is like there and they come back from commercial break and he's in a conversation with like the security guard or something for like 30 seconds before it throws to the next thing. He's like, Oh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have Beyonce. And it's just this like transgender hooker that walks (laughs) out and he just has a conversation with her. Like it's so ridiculous and like the best. And every episode he trashes his desk and yeah. uh, The part, the part of the podcast that so far has really resonated with me is when he points out that it seems like the press tours for the movies and the TV shows are the reasons are more valuable than the actual piece itself. Right. That that Jennifer Lawrence doing uh, lip sync battle or whatever is right. being seen more than the art she's in yeah. that she's trying to promote and yeah. live by. <clears throat> right. And I do wonder sometimes, and I, again, I'm a person who likes Jimmy Fallon and I definitely admire his, his God-given talent, mm-hmm. but I do wonder sometimes how many of these people are are hiding the fact that they that they are really annoyed by all this. Yeah. And sometimes they're better at it than others. Well, there's guys like George Clooney that never go on any any talk show at all. Kimmel. Like, I mean, yeah. a couple of the guys have one guy who they like. Right. And they won't go anywhere else. Yep. So, so I, I mean, I don't know. I found it very interesting. When I was listening to it, I texted Becky and I said, you got to listen to Bo Burnham on You Made It Weird today. He... He is basically um, resigning himself to ever going on a late night talk show that's not Conan <laughs> Except again. Except for Conan. Yeah. He'll go on Conan. I mean, that's really the only one who has him on anyway, although I think he's been on Fallon. Yeah. Um, but there's no way Jimmy Fallon or Stephen Colbert are going to have him on ever again. Oh, no, definitely not. And the other thing is that I, th- I think I think he might be falling for the same the same illusion that's kind of been cast upon someone like Jon Stewart as a pop culture, pop cultural figure is almost like he's saying there's a responsibility for Jimmy Fallon to elevate when there isn't necessarily. I mean, yeah. I guess, I guess that uh, the, the tonight show is an institution, but like James Corden was not a stand-up comedian and he's just lovely to watch. And sometimes that's enough. Right. And Jimmy Fallon, I don't think was like, I need to change the world in the way that I do this. We, right. He was like, let's throw pies at each other and people will like that. I don't think he's like, I'm trying to hypnotize society into, you know, just watching my show. Right. I know there's no malevolence behind it, but you know, at, at, at the core of everything, you know what it made me so pumped about? What's that? Was the fact that we do this podcast every week and we don't like, you know, it's something we're doing for free. We're not expecting money for it. We right. just like having a conversation and putting this content out to whoever wants to listen to it. And we don't give a shit if it's two people. It really validated a lot of the creative stuff that I do, actually. Uh, and you do a lot. I, I do a lot. I do a lot because sometimes, and I'm not speaking out against my job because I love my job, but sometimes you feel a little bit boxed in sure. doing commercial radio. You like, have you don't more have parameters. You have a lot of parameters. And, and creating a show, which is essentially a radio show, 
I was listening to a podcast a while back and the host was reading some fan mail and the the fan referred to the show as a radio show. It was a podcast, but they said, I really like your radio show. And the, the host jumped in and said, well, it's not a radio show. And I said, you don't know what radio is because it is a radio show. You right. just don't have a transmitter. I've, but the, just the very definition of radio is the theater that lives in your mind. Yeah. Right? And I've noticed that a lot of people on podcasts do talk shit about radio. And it's kind of funny to me too because I'm like, what? Well, that's like, like I don't know, shitting on the first TV ever. Yeah. You know, like it's it led you to this. It's like saying classic rock sucks and new rock is the only <laughs> thing. No, that you wouldn't have new rock if classic rock didn't exist. You're so right. You're so and and uh, I mean, some of those people who you're talking about had careers in commercial radio that didn't go well right. and now they're successful because they're able to do something freely. Yes. And one of the true. reasons I wanted to do this podcast is not because I love television, although I do. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do something where there were no rules. Right, sure. And we like you don't, we don't even promote this. Like no. the most I do to promote this show is retweet from the from the podcast Twitter. Yeah. So we have 19 followers on Twitter and when I retweet <laughs> it we have about 500. But really? like but well on my Twitter. Oh, okay, but, right. But like that they don't care. No. It's it's just me doing a service to the effort we put in. Right. But you put something out there and it's not always about about the the likes that's another thing that Bo said that i think was like it, just the way he phrased it and it just rolled off his tongue and then they moved on i couldn't believe it he said um fame has come down and now everybody falls on the scale between one like and kim kardashian <laughs> and i was like holy fuck that is so true because yeah. that is the whole premise of social media create the illusion of uh fame and uh what's the word where something lasts forever permanence sure people want permanence right that's why you create art that's why you post pictures on the internet Mm. yeah 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 that's that's a pretty deep way of looking at it maybe the little pause we just had in there was effective and i i shouldn't cut it out anyway don't cut those out anymore (laughs) honestly if this works and we we put out a good podcast this week or a half decent podcast without any edits it's gonna save me three hours a week i was gonna say you're like (laughs) where did all those hours go that we that you spent editing and i I apologize too because you'll probably hear a lot more of the uh what was her name uh i can't think of the uh but you You know what? what it's going to be real. I only notice those when I'm editing it. I don't notice it when we're talking. Sure. So listeners don't notice them either. It's just a person being anal. Right. So okay. that's fine. Cool. That's fine. Uh, for the the shows of discussion this week, a couple episodes ago, I think it was episode 10, we decided that every 10 episodes we would go off the Hollywood Reporter's top 100 best TV shows list and pick a couple of shows that are hot and now. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is only episode 15, so the fact that we're going to do it again is already breaking our rule. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. I almost I almost think, and I'm not saying we should reformat this podcast, but I almost think we could do a relevant show like every week or two. Yeah, it's- I think so too. And I get really excited when we do because yeah. these are two shows that I wanted to watch. Yeah. And then would have just talked to you about them anyway. So. And it kind of forces you to get in on the thing yeah. that people are discussing. Like, uh, Stranger Things is maybe a show I wouldn't have watched if not for this podcast. Exactly. And 
it, it was one of the rare examples of a time where I watched it at the same time as everybody else, if not mm-hmm. a week or two before. Right. And I was a part of the discussion as it was happening. I didn't have to sit around and feel like I was missing out until I finally gave in and watched it after everyone else already did. Right. So that was kind of cool. And in the next month or two, there's going to be a lot of new shows. Yeah. So maybe we'll do more of these, but sure, there will I'm also totally also be droughts. Down. Yeah. Right? And I'm, I, I, I say we still... The goal is to get through the the Hollywood Reporter Top 100. Yeah. And whenever the F we want, let's just do a, a, a two shows that we're like, hey, I want to watch these shows. No rules. Yeah. There's no rules. The rules are, there are no rules, only Whoa. guidelines. We got to put that on a poster and market it Ex- to new university students. Yeah. The rules are, there are no rules, except for <laughs> rule number one, you do not talk about Fight Club. That's right. And rule number two. <laughs> Do not talk. We should write these over a watermark of Bob Marley's face. (laughs) Put the Fight Club rules on a Bob Marley poster. That would be amazing. (laughs) Oh, I'm so on board for that. Yeah, I think we'll do that. Mm. And uh, if we had a website, we could uh, we could sell them. But again, we're not in it for profit. So, which show do you want to start with of the two hot shows that everyone's talking about right now? Um, I don't know which I would have more to say about. I probably have more to say about the comedy one okay than the other one so i don't know if that means we should start with it or well let's, let's no let's let's start serious and go silly okay are you okay with that absolutely okay what what show do you want to start with then the night of the night of is going to go in the record books for the show show as the first pilot i have quit watching oh what uh out of like just emotional distress really yeah about 30 minutes in i was just like Nope. This, it was too much for I can't, you. Can't do this. And remember, like the first episode of this podcast when we talked about Game of Thrones and yeah. how I was like weak stomached and like sensitive. Yeah. It wasn't even a weak stomach thing. It was just like I was nervous I wasn't going to be able to handle Game of Thrones. And even right. though I enjoyed the pilot a lot, as a person should, because it's a good show objectively, I I wanted to watch more, but I knew it was just not going to work for me. So you had a lot of anxiety the whole time. Yeah. Like, oh, what is happening? And, and it is a show that keeps you on the edge about what like where the story's even going like i kind of knew where the story was leading into yep. but that first episode they really tease it out they really they really run it out so the premise is this regular uh like middle eastern american guy young fella mm-hmm. um living his regular life he 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 gets arrested tried and convicted for murder yeah but you Wait, don't know throughout the... Is this correct? I don't See, know. See, I quit. Right. So, so first episode, basically, do you want me to go through it? Sure, yeah. Okay, so first episode, he's, he's I think, in university and borrows his, uh, wants to go to this party, borrows his dad's taxi, mm-hmm. drives into New York City, stops to try to like turn the like off-duty light on because people are trying to get in his cab. Then this girl gets in, mm-hmm. and he's kind of like, oh, well, she's kind of hot. And he's like, well... And she's I, mysterious, and she answers every question with a question. And right. I actually, like, I could see that the writing of the show was good, but I was like, this fucking girl is such a cliche. Right. She's and, just like an angel, but and, she's dark and weird. And that kind of, yeah, kind of drives you crazy. But but it moves pretty quick. And yeah. they they end up going to sit by the Hudson River, and and she offers him a pill, and, you know, they... they both kind of seem like, you know, he's an, a young and naive kid mm-hmm. and she kind of seems like she's been put through the ringer a little right. bit more and she's like, take this drug with me. Doesn't ask what it is. He takes it. 
They drive back to her place. He's feeling really good. Then they get to her place. They do some cocaine. Yeah. Um, which he's like not used to at all. Take a bunch of tequila shots. Doing a bunch of tequila shots. They're really fucked up. Um, so you watched to this point. Yeah. I watched, Um, I watched a few more points. She, the, basically one of the last things you see before he wakes up the next day is she does this thing where she like slams the knife down on a table, a knife down on a table that she was using to cut limes with. And it goes in between her fingers. And then she's like, you do it after they've done a bunch of drugs and drinks and it just goes into her hand. It w- well, it was. That's not really how I perceived it. Actually, it was like that game you used to play in elementary school with a sharp pencil, where you would try and see how fast you could yeah, move the tip yeah. of the pencil between your fingers yep. without stabbing yourself. That's exactly right. So, I I understood that she 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 did the thing and she didn't hurt herself, mm-hmm. and then. She tried to talk him into doing the thing. Yeah. And he says no, like a normal, regular person, like a smart person. <laughs> yeah. And then she has this bullshit piece of dialogue where she's, I, I wrote on my note paper, I don't see why, don't you do what everyone tells you? Isn't that what you told me? Is a compelling argument to do something stupid that you don't want to do. Oh, yeah. I don't even think I picked up on her saying that. That's what she said. So then he does it to his own hand, right? But no, he, he does it to her hand. Okay. When he's... When he's really high and she's really high, but and, and, and it, it like doesn't seem to bother her, and she gets really into it, and then they start making out hardcore and going. Well, he does it, and it doesn't hurt her. No, she like has no reaction to it. But no, he he does it, and he hits the table. It does, no, he doesn't hit her hand. No, it hits her hand. He does it, and then he does. It. She tells him to do it again. Oh, okay. She tells him to do it again, but I when she insists on him saying, and, and what he says is that I won't do. Right. Remember when he says that? Yeah. He says, no, that that's too far. Right. Because then she was literally asking him to stab her in the hand. Yeah. She's, she's like, don't m- miss this time. Stab me in the middle of the back of my hand. And he says, no, that I won't do. And then he takes very little, com- like very little pushing to do it. Right. And she doesn't even flinch. Sure. And then they, they have sex or whatever. They have sex. And then he just wakes up at like the island in her kitchen. And, you know, you can tell that he's just completely out of it. And the she's dead. The fridge is open. He goes upstairs. So you, you cut out at this point? Yeah, this is where I literally started to feel faint from, like, emotional distress. Okay, yeah. So yes. he, he goes upstairs to be like, hey, like, I'm I'm going to go home. Uh, and she is just covered in blood. Yeah. Like, it is an absolute, like, massacre. Like, let's not be like, too graphic here because I'm, I'm still weak-headed. Okay, anyways, yeah. let's just say, like, multiple stabs. She's dead. She's definitely dead. Yeah. So he freaks out. Sirens. Sirens. Uh, he Well, basically, he, like, runs out, realizes that he locked himself out, breaks in to, like, get himself back in, mm-hmm. grabs his, like, phone and his keys and the knife, and I think yes. some of the drugs. Right. And then he's, like, driving around the corner. The cops pull him over mm-hmm. because he's driving pretty erratically. Yep. And, uh, while he was like, basically while he was breaking into the house, a neighbor across the street saw, ah. so neighbor across the street is calling about a break and enter. He's pulled over by the cops. The cops are like, okay, we understand you're the kid of this taxi driver and you're drunk. Just get in the car right now. Like you're definitely not driving, but it so, wasn't really a DUI cause they got called away to right. 
the break and enter. So I thought you were going to say that they picked him up because he was Middle Eastern. Because there was that early on point where he was going home with her. Yeah. And the guys chirped at him for being Middle Eastern. And they say a, a racist thing about terrorism. Right. And... I figured maybe if that was going to come up later, it was going to come up with the cops and they were going to be dicks to him. No, um, not at all. The cops are like, you know, they do their job. It's not brought up. Okay. So he's in the back while they're going into the crime scene that he's very much part of. Yes. Um, And then he's basically waiting in the car. They end up calling in like the main cop and they have to bring him back to the station uh, so he's basically like waiting in the station while they're investigating like what's going on. Okay. Um, and he's freaking out. He's totally freaking out. He's basically like trying to escape. Meanwhile, he still has the bloody knife in his oh, jacket. Oh, shit. Okay. So uh, he ends up going to, or the cop ends up talking to one of the guys that was like chirping him. Because mm-hmm. one of the one of the dudes was like, oh, what's wrong? Did the like terrorist killer or whatever? And he's yeah. like, what? What are you talking about? Okay. And, and the, the main cop goes over and questions him. And he's basically like, "Like, okay, wait, give me all the information you have. And he's like, nah, like whatever. And he's like, I could probably turn you upside down and a bunch of weed would fall out, right? Like book him. <laughs> so they basically like take him in just for questioning because they saw the guy that. And because he was looking sketchy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So So here's the thing though. When they're questioning him, kind of toward the end of the episode, he was with another guy. And it very, very intently shows the other guy staring down, like staring at the door for like 10 seconds after um, the Pakistani kid and the weird girl go into her house. Okay. He gives yes. like a bit of like a death stare. So this is that guy? No, it's it's the other, it's the guy who's Moping talking off. shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it seemed like this other guy like had a real problem. Yeah. Not like just a talking smack problem. Exactly. Yeah. And, and anyway, that guy never ends up being brought back into it. Okay. So it seems yes. like it... Le- yeah. So it kind of seems like it leads you to believe that maybe that guy had an axe to grind or something. Or maybe he's just like a ruthless killer or... Yeah. Yeah. Um, in any case, they figure out basically when they go back to the station, the, like the girl's about to like pat him down and bring him back home or whatever. She's just... I think like he's he's about to get let off the hook, but yeah. she realizes as the, as the other cop is describing the murder weapon, she pulls out this knife, and he tries to run, and they book him. So it kind of shows like the first part of questioning. They throw him in the in the jumpsuit, okay, and then John Turturro, the lawyer, yeah, is in there uh, talking to like a few other clients. So he's. Is his name Ravi? Is that his name? I don't know. I think it might be. I think so. I don't even know if they say it in the, in the th- first episode. Okay, maybe not. Maybe he's he's his lawyer. He's the protagonist main character's lawyer. So he ends up like walking out after seeing another client and like talks to a cop outside and he's like, "Hey, what's what's going on with the kid in there? Like, why is why is he in there?" And it's yeah. like, "Well, apparently he just like stabbed this girl to death and it was insane." And he was like, "That kid?" Yeah. Like, "No way." And he kind of gives goes in and then he's like, I'm your lawyer, kid. Like, listen up. Here's how it's going to go. You only talk to me. And he was like, so are you like free legal aid or whatever? And he's like, no, I'm like an actual lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he seems like a really interesting character too. And it seems like a big role for him. You know, he was, uh, and they're saying that he'll, 
I mean, it's too late for Emmys now, but like he'll probably get nominated next year. Yeah. Interesting. Emmys are next weekend. Right. Um, this Sunday, aren't they? Yeah. This coming Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. See, we can talk about it in real time because this is going is up. great. Uh, that part was James Gandolfini's. Oh. Who he died. But he's, he's in the opening credits though. Yeah. But is he in the opening credits as like a producer or something or is maybe it like that's a, what it was i have no idea maybe he helped develop the show and he was going to star in it in the john turturro lawyer role wow because it's hbo and like i mean that he was like the original hbo anti-hero right right and i guess there's also this other thing where i don't think it happened in the pilot but i, I read about this that somebody refers to their cousin in new jersey and and it's tony soprano they're talking about so it's almost like they're leading to you to believe in like a tiny little easter egg that this is the same universe as the right um but i i think we're also led to believe that tony soprano died at the end of that show right doesn't matter yeah they left it too open-ended it kind of just like black screened out but yeah yeah, everyone's got their own theory about what happened and then when james gandolfini died Mm -hmm. de niro was gonna take it Oh, Robert really? De Niro was like was like brought on board, but then there was a scheduling conflict, so they got John Turturro in like a less um, a less spotlighty kind of guy. But apparently, right. he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, he seems like he's going. It's going to be a really awesome show. Okay, I mean, I I already know kind of how it ends. Is the oh, other do you? the other reason it's probably okay that I don't talk about it too much. But um, see, I don't want to know anything. You don't want to know anything how it ends. But but I'm. I I heard from someone else like that it's you know it's pretty dark and just I guess be ready. Like yeah. I don't know that I'm going to end this series and be like ah what a great show. Well, you know it's 9 episodes long and you know it's conclusive, right? Yes. Uh so I think some people are talking about whether or not they should make it under the the true detective model and right. like and have a whole new story that's right. kind of the same thing because I think the premise of the night of is 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 that this guy is going through the justice system yeah and you the viewer don't technically know if he's guilty or not right so maybe if you just use that as a model you can do all kinds of different stuff with tv i would have used to to be been so on board with that idea until seeing the second season of true detective and i'm just like why didn't they just make that that second season of true detective and call it something else i know at least i wouldn't have went in with the expectations that it was going to be like and people might have liked it more too because there was this tremendous expectation that it was going to be something that it couldn't be yeah and it it could never live up to the hype right Uh, having that many changes i mean you want to talk about a fall from grace they'll never have a season three they've never i don't don't think think any any show has had such a huge drop off in uh, appreciation man it was well I, I still watched it all like it wasn't bad it I'm wasn't sure, bad I'm enough sure it to wasn't. not watch like you could if you watched it I'm sure you'd be like well it was pretty good I liked season one. Oh, season one was awesome it was amazing but season two was good it just is never gonna get which, which is why I mean if it wasn't called True Detective like you said yeah it would just be kind of a cool show with Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell yeah you know yeah so so there's that. I, I I don't. I mean, I would never have gone into this expecting that I was going to watch episode two. But as it turns out, I couldn't even get to the thirty minute mark. I was like, no, this is so not for me. I don't know why I didn't think about that. Actually, I think a little bit subconsciously, it was like, eh, yeah, sweets probably isn't going to be as into the night of. But like, I really wasn't thinking you were going to be so uneasy about it, so reviled by it. Yeah, yeah. It was just really, and I think also because it's, and I can't speak to like. 
You have like too strong of a suspension of disbelief. Maybe, or maybe I'm just like really empathetic. I don't like I don't like seeing victims and stuff. And like okay. maybe maybe he did kill that girl. I don't know. I right. honestly don't know in that no. part of how it ends. Um, but although I'm sure they clear it up, I don't know how it ends in that way. But he he's just such a like a naive person and he's about to the show is going to be about how that night changes his life forever and that's and that's troubling it was definitely one of those shows because it happens yeah that's true but it was definitely one of those shows where while you're watching people while you're watching this victim talk to the cops you were like just tell him that like you were on so many drugs yeah and this is exactly what happened and that like why are you holding anything back right just fucking say it right that's so true i was like i would fess up so quick as soon as i saw the dead girl i would just call the cops and say listen i don't know what happened happened. i'll tell you everything i know there's this dead girl yeah yeah boom i'm not gonna try to take the murder weapon and run away i know like listen i'm in way over (laughs) my head here cops come you can decide if i'm guilty i can only tell you what i remember right right exactly yeah no that's so interesting i wonder if there's like i wonder if that happens it probably does Probably like like people who, but you know there are also cases of murders in Halifax. I've learned from my policeman friend who have, where they they finally figure out that it was a guy who you never would have expected. Yeah, and he also hit it, and he tried to keep it under wraps because yeah. usually these people who are cold blood killers are wrestling with the monster inside them for a long time before they snap and they kill somebody. Right, and so it's shameful for them. I'm not excusing anybody. But it's it's a internal loss, and so if they can hide it from the world, they can still hide it to themselves for a while longer. Right. And this is why a lot of people who commit their first murder uh, and go on trial and and plead not guilty, many of them psychotically believe that they are innocent. They convince themselves against that. I think that that probably happened with O.J. Simpson. There's not a doubt in my mind that guy killed two people right. brutally with a knife. Yeah. But I don't think he necessarily thinks he did it. Right. I think that he might have vague memories of it. But and you think he just convinced himself. He, well, because, so... I mean, he's been surrounded by yes people all his life, especially right. leading up to that incident before he became such a uh, a polarizing figure. And mm. then throughout the trial, he had yes people working for him. Granted, that was exactly what their job was to do. Yeah. But he he was such an egomaniac, and there's plenty of anecdotal proof to prove that he was an egomaniac, right. that in many cases he might not be able to see why even if he did do it it was the wrong thing to do yeah because he did it therefore it's excusable same goes with trump not that i think trump has nearly decapitated any people with his bare hands but this is a guy who at the end of the day he goes to bed very sure that he's making the right choices he's not going they're falling for my evil plan. Right. He's going, this is the right thing because I'm the best thing for the country. <laughs> yeah. And frankly, everybody who runs for office thinks that. Yeah. So there's a, there's a bit of a toss up. He's really just the most pure form of politician because he, which wow. is ironic because he's that's, never been a politician. That's really interesting. He's just willing to Donald Trump to, uh, a murderer surrounded by sycophantics. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to everybody involved. I I don't want like I don't like Trump. I don't want to have to compare him to O.J. Simpson. At the same time, I really don't like O.J. Simpson, and I don't want to have to compare him to Trump. Like I f- I still feel enough empathy for both of those men right. that I don't want either of them to have to be compared to either of the <laughs> awful men they are. Sure. So that's a little backwards, but it, I I don't know. I think I I think so. Maybe and maybe 
in the show, maybe he actually did kill her. And but I, all signs point to the show wants you to think that there's no way that this kid could have done it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and also, why would you root for a guy? Exactly. Who, who was evil? In exactly. a I mean, we, there are lots of shows where you root for a guy who's evil, but usually you see the humanity in that character. Sure. And you haven't known enough about this guy. You haven't spent enough time with this guy to see his humanity. So if he's going to brutally kill a woman, right. we're going to have to invest the time well, to find fine. out. Plus, the character, the girl who he killed was weird. Like, she was, she did crazy right. self-destructive it, stuff. It made you think that at some point she might have tried to kill him, which might even be part of it. Absolutely. She might have tried to, like, pull the knife on him. And, and he self-defended and she ended up dead. Yeah. Or that's she might true. have done it herself like she well, like that's how crazy you you're led to believe she is well this is like i mean she got stabbed in the hand and didn't even flinch she yeah. asked to be stabbed in the hand and didn't even flinch as yeah. just like a as like a sexy thing yeah like this is like a weird person and you know maybe she's suicidal maybe that's why she she picked up the the cute guy that night she's, right. she's gonna die tonight so why not like let's let's have a little fun let's do drugs and fuck this stranger and then i'll die this is here's, what i wanted to do here's a really weird thing she offers this guy a pill and he doesn't like ask what it is or I, anything. I know. He just takes it and then they get in a car and start driving. I know. I'm like, two things are really wrong with this. First of all, don't you want to know how you're supposed to be feeling when you take a drug? Like, yep. there's a big difference between like Oxycontin and ecstasy. Yep. And if you're getting behind the, well, you shouldn't be getting behind the wheel regardless. Of course. But still, like... One, you could very easily fall asleep. Yep. And the other, you're probably just going to be super erratic and sensitive. Or hallucinating, in or, which case. Yeah, you're, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought the same thing. And I often think that in movies and TV when characters take drugs, even if they're supposed to be like a strong character with like a, a bold constitution for that kind of thing. Right. I'm just like, you're not different right. at all. Which And he doesn't even like, the cops ask later, like, how much have you drank? And he's like, I don't drink. Yeah. And, like, I actually think he probably doesn't drink, but he just drank that night. Right. So it's kind of like he has no constitution for any. So one of the reasons I really liked The Wolf of Wall Street is that, like, even even Jordan Belfort, even, like, the Leo character who was the main character. And, like, there's an example of an evil person who who didn't have much humanity, and yet somehow you still rooted for him. Maybe it was because he was charismatic, and they needed a charismatic guy to play him. But as suave and sharp, tongued and know all the answers as a guy he was when they put him on drugs he was drooling oh yeah and he was like he was gross like yeah. that's that's not a guy who kept it together for the sake of the coolness of the character right so that's why i liked that depiction yeah but i also think that i've heard a, a legend that leo dicaprio has never taken drugs in his life really? and it's a little odd isn't it yeah because he looks like there's like photos of him like running around at coachella with a water gun and it looks like he's just I think he's a weird Taking dude. Taking a bunch of Molly. I think he's a weird dude. And I definitely think he like has smoked cigarettes since he was 12. <laughs> yeah. And he probably just like, he probably parties in his own way, but he insists that he has never taken, he's never even so, so much as smoked weed before. Wow. And really, why would Leo have to lie about that? No, he you wouldn't know? have to at all. He wouldn't have to. So I kind of, I kind of believe and, him. And people in Hollywood would call him out on it immediately. That's true. He ever, they'd be like, well, seriously, what about that time with all that coke? Well, that and like, if you're not afraid to to be who you are, like, he's not apologizing for the womanizing. No. Because, I mean, as far as we know, these women are not being lied to. No. You know, if he's upfront about it. Like, that's why I think that he's an upfront person. So I tend to believe that he's not a drug guy. And so there was this whole thing about how he spent a lot of 
time researching for the character, a lot of that time was spent just learning how to act high. Right. And so that's why it really shone through in that character. Right. Whereas when when Jonah Hill plays a high character, it's a bad example, actually, because he was good in that movie. Mm-hmm. But like when another actor plays a high character, uh, Mark Wahlberg, I don't know, just right. random guy. Sure. He is so focused on 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 still being Mark Wahlberg being Mark in the Wahlberg. thing. <laughs> Mark, Mark Wahlberg. And... Um, I, so I and maybe because he takes drugs in real life, he wants to imply that drugs aren't a big deal, right? Or, or not? I don't know. It's it, I'm not articulating it very well, and it's a, a weird thing to talk about because I'm not a drug person either, right? I hate how how and this is just a complete aside about the Wolf of Wall Street. I hate how you're totally rooting for him until the point that he like straight up like and he's on a downslope through the whole movie. Yep, and then he hits his wife. And you're like, uh, well, that's I I can't even cheer for you at all anymore. I like, guess you're right. This is the point where I'm like, oh, that sucks. I mean, like, it, it helps. I think that was purposeful because like oh, yeah, no. as soon as he hits her, they get in a screaming fight. He tries to kidnap the daughter. <laughs> He's he fucked out of his head, gets in a car accident. Like that is his lowest moment. Right. That's so, hit, so that makes sense. And then he starts doing drugs again because remember he like... He cuts drugs out of the out pillow. Out of the sofa. He's and he like, does to, coke right before he hits her, I think. He was supposed to have been sober for like a year or something at that point. Right. Although he probably wasn't. Right, yeah. That was a fucking good movie. A great movie. Yeah. And it's what I expected War Dogs to be, and it just wasn't. Oh, see, I didn't feel I didn't feel driven enough to go see it. No. I thought I would, but I didn't. And honestly, I would say you know, if you never see it, it's probably going to be fine with you. Man, Snowden comes out this week? Yeah. It has got a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whoa, really? It is getting trashed. Really? Like, here I thought it was going to be this like critically acclaimed thing. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's just too radical to give it a good review. Right. Because like, I think it's a little anti-American and that's that doesn't fly very well. Yeah. And maybe maybe as a movie critic, like you don't want to be your newspaper. You're just the movie critic. Don't be anti-American and give this movie thumbs up. You know what I mean? Sure. Maybe but that I, happens. But I mean, like, look at things like... Uh, uh, Mr. Robot. Yeah, yeah, that, you're right. That's got like the hugest following ever. But what what's un-American about Mr. Robot? Oh well, I mean, just the the fact that they're like trashing all popular American beliefs. And, yes, and saying basically saying like Apple's bullshit and not not Apple specifically, right. but like a brand like Apple, which is E Corp in the show right just like the mainstream establishment yeah and in the first episode they go through a whole bunch of like like examples of like heroes that basically end up letting you down like lance armstrong and just right. all this like commercial bullshit that is kind of the american dream and they're saying he basically says like america's bullshit right except for that the there's a big difference between saying um the the members of capitalism are bullshit and saying the constitution the bill of rights and the amendments are bullshit like that's a thing the americans are very protective of right and and that's something that's said in snowden well it's all about um freedom of information and freedom of speech and like uh, lying to the people it's all it's all about uh i mean it's it's about the 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 declassification of 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 all these secrets that the americans were being lied to this is the other thing is that is that americans and i mean probably canadians too people today are are thrilled and elated to be lied to until they know they've been lied to right i love that i'm being lied to about shit because i don't know it right you know (laughs) but then once i know it's very hard to get past that 
Well, here's an interesting, speaking of amendments and all this other stuff, we haven't talked about this yet. The whole NFL players sitting for the oh, national yeah, yeah. anthem or taking a knee or whatever. Yeah, this has like been a big thing for and a couple of weeks, but we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and it's really catching on now. Yeah. Like, like teams are like doing something symbolically, like the entire teams have uh, like been linking arms or yep. doing the like black power symbol. And sure. It's, it's getting pretty, and and some people up in the audience, like it's showing the reaction from people in the audience. Yeah. It's getting pretty crazy. It's it's really interesting because that's that's an example of a thing and, that is anti-American to certain people who are who bleed red red white and blue. And it's it's great because it is kind of creating a dialogue too. And it's like in a forum where it's really sensitive. Yeah, like football is so American, right? And that's the thing. And and you know you have these sports shows where you have people that you never would have thought saying, I totally respect the fact that this guy's doing this. And it's, it is creating a dialogue about black lives matter. Right. And it hasn't been talked about. Yeah. To, like, well, it's been black lives matter has been hugely talked about, sure. but you're doing it in front of millions and millions of people. And it started in Colin Kaepernick. Every, people were like burning his Jersey and like yeah. it was going insane. And then other people started joining in people from like across the sports world and especially in the NFL, which is the most popular thing definitely yes. in America. It's yes, the most it is. Popular sport creates it's the most popular commodity more. in the world. Yeah. Honestly, like the, the Dallas Cowboys is like one of the biggest corporations of like a single brand in the world or something crazy. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. It's up there. It's like up there in the top 10 most easily recognized, recognized symbols. Yeah. yeah. So, so I don't know, just kind of talking about like anti-American stuff. We're at a time where I think people are, we're really getting to that point in the newsroom where Jeff Daniels <laughs> says America isn't the best country, but it can be. Right. And people are starting to kind of like wake up and be like, let's cut the bullshit. Like, here's what's wrong. That's so right. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, your your country's credo, every country's credo has to be we be, we need to be able to rethink this later. Yeah. Like you the the fact that a, a set of rules was written on parchment and signed off by a bunch of white racists. Yep. Uh, a couple hundred years ago, the idea that that is now gospel that we can't ever think twice about any of it. And and one of the 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 sports reporters on like inside the NFL or whatever put it so perfectly because he's like I, I I read about the guy who wrote the national anthem the other day, and the guy who wrote it at the time that he wrote it owned slaves. <laughs> so when he says for the land of the free and the home of the brave, he wasn't talking about us. He wasn't talking about black people. Right. He was talking about all the white people that owned slaves. And anybody who thinks otherwise is appropriating the information yeah. the same way other people want to appropriate so, it. So he's like, I don't, it doesn't make me want to stand for the anthem either. That's <laughs> that's fascinating. And it's it's really, uh, I think we talked about this recently and I, I, forget, I forget the context of it, but I know we talked about um, athletes standing for a brand and not wanting to lose their sponsorship. I forget how it came up. It doesn't matter. Um, t these athletes who are endorsed by huge athletics companies such that it's the bulk of their income yeah. and their personal brand are willing to uh, risk that Here's for the sake of this, of this statement. And 
what's more ridiculous is that every time the Huffington Post or Mashable or the New York Reporter or whatever the fuck tweets about how people were outraged, I, right. I just want to shake them and say, do you think he was he's upset about the uh, outrage? Because well, he definitely did it so you'd be outraged. Yeah, here's here's the one thing, the one thing that takes the edge off a little bit for me, which I don't like. I wish the edge was still on in okay. this conversation. Colin Kaepernick was like an all-star quarterback for yep. like a year. Mm-hmm. And then last year took like a huge fall from grace. Oh. And now he's benched. He's the backup quarterback. So he's just keeping his name in the discussion. That's kind of what, like, was it a, pl- well, either way, if it, if it was a ploy, I like may- maybe I can shit on Colin Kaepernick for that. But like, it's definitely started something bigger if he wasn't expecting it to become this big. No, I'm not trying to be reductive of his movement. It just and, it and is I unfortunate in the narrative of Colin Kaepernick. And, no, and and dude, I, I like I texted a guy that was like, uh, I'm not sure if this is like a ploy, and he's just trying to keep his name in the like public sphere. Yeah, or if, but it's become such a big thing that it doesn't really matter anymore. That's true. Like, and so, how many professional athletes are doing this every night now? Um, in, well, in, in the in the NFL, there was like at least one person, it seemed, in every game that I was watching that was doing something, okay. like either taking a knee mm-hmm. or doing the the black power fist yep. or the entire team was linking arms. What do you think about John Tortorella saying any players on my bench who try that are not going to play that game? Well, he's a mouthpiece anyway. <laughs> I, I, I guess he's just kind of like stating uh, a position, but he's in the rare spot of power. Right. Where he can, like, there's only how many professional athletics coaches in major American right. franchise sports yeah. who have the power to bench a star player. Mm-hmm. How many people are there? There's like 50 of those guys in the world. Yeah. yeah. So, so he's one of them, and he's saying he's willing to do it out of the sake of his morals Mm -hmm. and he's got a kid who went to war or whatever so like maybe that's informing his opinion sure and 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 i understand that too you know what he's got every right to go go against what colin kaepernick's saying but i just love the fact that people are talking like this now i don't think especially since colin kaepernick's not the star player anymore yeah i don't think he'd mind getting thrown out of the game he might he might mind getting thrown out of the season right but it would be like it would be pretty pretty triumphant to be removed from the game yeah. For something so Which, radical. And, and it's cool because, like, his team's like, no, we're totally backing him on That's this. That's cool. And, and he donated, like, you know, he's not the star player anymore. And I think he donated, like, a million dollars to the team to be like, listen, I'm sorry, but this is a oh, cause nice. I believe in so much. So I think he's kind of, like, cleared his name as far as, you know, if, if he was go, doing this for, yeah, it, for it, any other reason, then. It can go one of two ways with your team. They, they'll yeah. either, like, really respect you and have your back, right. or they'll really resent you. Yeah. And, 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 and they'll they be embarrassed be, by you. They might be, like, playing the respect card. <laughs> That's the good thing to do PR-wise. Like, he's in he's in San Fran. It's not like he's in, like, if this happened in, like, Green Bay. Sure. It might be a different story. Sure. With a bunch of, like, good old boys from Wisconsin. Did he play on 9-11? Uh, no. This was actually, he played in the... Monday night game. Does anybody play on 9-11? Because I have to imagine yeah, the national that anthem was, is especially loud that night. Yeah. Uh, what was her name? Kristen Chenoweth did oh, it on yeah. Sunday night football. Interesting. And yeah, it was really, it was she, supposed to be like a huge deal, I guess. She kind of strikes me as a blue state gal. Like, yeah. I think so. And I, I know that like the in Studio 60, the Harriet Hayes character. Gal? Red state gal. Right. Pardon me. 
uh she uh um, it's okay the, we're canadian that's right everybody's red here <laughs> not exactly red and white um the harriet hayes character on studio 60 is based on Christian Chenoweth and, and Aaron Sorkin having been in love with her oh, for a really? time. Uh, although I don't know if they ever worked together on the West Wing, but they had a they had a fling for a time. Huh. Yeah, cool. and, and it was all about how I mean he's the the Jewish New York writer, atheist, and she's the right. the Southern Baptist. Yes. But they love each other. Gotcha. Right. And it's exactly the same thing that appears in the show with yeah. Matthew Perry and um Sarah Paulson, speaking of O.J. Simpson, she's going to win an Emmy next week. You think so? Definitely. Cool. Actually, I think that's one of the one of the shoe wins. Really? Yeah, I'd love to go back and listen to our uh, Emmy for Your Thoughts episode just to hear some more of our predictions more freshly in my mind, so I can watch with that lens. Right. And then we can comment on it next week. I'm down. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we should do that. Sweet. Um, okay, so the second show, I think we I think we really melted. Uh, oh yeah, we're 51 of. minutes in. We've never waited this long to get to a second show. That's terrific. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, the second show that we did was a little show called, I don't know if you have more of an intro for it. You no, go ahead, go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Atlanta, Donald Ad- Glover's new show on FX. Atlanta. I want to say first, I don't like the title of either of these shows. No. Atlanta or The Night Of. And I know The right. Night Of, just to say one more thing about it, we, like it's based on a BBC series which was called Criminal Justice. Okay. And now I don't know if Criminal Justice is meant to have uh, a duality to its meaning. Like it's about the criminal justice system, but it's also getting justice for a criminal. Like right. I don't know if that was the premise of the BBC sure. show. It's very different. So they, they renamed the American version, the HBO version, The Night Of. And I right. guess just because that's a court phrase, like where were you on The Night Of? Is that right. what that means? I think so. Pro- it's probably going to be said a um, bunch of times throughout the rest of the show other than that i just find the phrase the night of to be really soft yeah like i'm writing um a, a short novella right now which is like a an adventure fantasy okay and i was i was i was toying with the title by and about the sea and there was a there was a duality to that name too which is that like this story is like told by the sea it's told oh, okay. about the sea but it also takes place by and around the sea right so i thought it was clever at first and then as i ran it over in my head a bunch more i realized there are no punchy words in that phrase right. by and about the sea it's kind of like it's kind of rhythmic sounding like the night of is right but there are no like there's no like thrones in the word in the <laughs> sure. in the title you know what i mean yeah and the same thing kind of goes for atlanta like when when there's a show or a movie that just has one word to yeah. as the title. And I don't generally love when that happens. But right. it, like love the Judd Apatow show with, uh, yeah. what's his name? Like, am I expected to believe that this representation is the quintessential love? Yeah. Which is to say, You're is, right. is this show exactly what Atlanta is like? Or are you just calling it that because it take, takes place in Atlanta? Honestly, like I, I watched the second episode tonight too. Oh, cool. And I think that, the reason they called it Atlanta is because Atlanta is such a, such an, such a, uh, a city that you can so tell. Like if I just watched what was going on in the show, yeah, I'd be like, oh, this is Atlanta because it's what what it reminds me from that like episode of Cribs or from those rap videos where like they're kind of in like the projects and it's warm, but there's like. No, no leaves on the trees, and right. talking it, about Hotlanta, and it like, speaks to the aesthetic of the show, but it doesn't right. speak to the theme of the show at all. No, well, the, I mean, the the whole Southern rapper thing is okay. It's, it's different from anywhere else, I think. In Atlanta, 
Yeah. Okay. It, it, I mean, Atlanta just being like, you know, so many rappers come from there and have a kind of specific path, I think. I find it interesting that you said at the top of the podcast that um, that this was the comedy of the two. Definitely more laughs in it than in The Night Of, but like, sure. yeah, I, I don't know if I was able to clearly define it as a comedy or a dramedy or a drama. I thought it was like a a, a bizarre, silly... Um, possibly dark comedy. I think it's probably, yeah, dark comedy for sure. I think it's probably the most dramatic thing Donald could write. Yeah. Like, like he, which is great. Cause I was worried that it was going to, I was going to say, take itself too seriously. And that's fine. I don't think it does. I think there was enough, there were enough bailouts in it that it became like Donald Glover's version of Louis. Yeah. With having like a rap setting right. in Atlanta. Right. And I like that. I like that a lot. It's interesting to me that he's doing a show about rap and he's not going to be the rapper in it. Yeah. Like, unless that's going to happen eventually. I don't know. Well, and I, yeah, I thought it was going to be like an autobiographical thing about him becoming a rapper, but it doesn't seem like that's what it's about at all. It's about his cousin becoming a rapper and him being the manager. His cousin is his brother in real life, eh? Oh, really? His name is Steve G. Lover. Oh. Or Stephen Glover. Right. Uh, Paperboy is his character's rapper name. Yeah. And he's Donald's brother in real life. And he's really good in the show, too. Like Totally. Like, the second episode, he, I think, gets to flex his acting muscles a little bit more. Cool. And I really liked it. Um, I mean, we're, we're dealing we're dealing with, like, a violence that you don't see in comedy very often. And maybe that's one of the things that, that blurred the lines for me a little bit is, like, the opening scene. It seems like somebody gets shot in a parking lot over right. like an altercation like this is not the kind of thing you associate with light 24 minute sitcoms right um which isn't to say that it isn't full of laughs but the other thing is just like the the setting is is kind of sad yeah and <clears throat> and donald glover has no money and he's kind of working in a dead-end job well and i and made a note about uh just i i find it interesting the use of uh his daughter like he has a baby yeah and he's kind of with the mom but she's still going on other dates and stuff they seem to have an open relationship well and that's that's why i liked it when he lifted up the daughter and he was like yeah this is totally a good environment for you to grow up in like (laughs) i just found it interesting acknowledged the the device of him having a baby is purely there to illustrate two things one that he is he has huge limitations in this world. He mm-hmm. he has major constrictions because he has a child, right? And so he has no money, and he has to be a father for this person. There's an but, urgency to him needing to get his act together, right? Because otherwise, he could just be a young person who flippantly goes about the world, yeah. living for himself, and that's not as compelling. Um, but the other thing the the device of a baby represents is that Donald is more responsible than you might perceive a lot of black guys in Atlanta trying to get into the rap business to be. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like especially since like at Paperboy's place, he's got this entourage and they all just kind of like hang around and smoke weed. And they're kind of, a couple of them are kind of bums. Right. But Donald is not a bum. He's got a baby and he's providing for her. Right. So I, I, I think that, that's the the double he's, meaning of he's at least a trying to provide for her because they make a few allusions to the fact that like he's never gonna pay uh his parents back True. and like like er, uh paperboy goes to see him at one point to see his parents at one point to say like 
I uh, don't know whether to trust Earn or not on this. No offense. And they're like, no, we totally hear what you're saying. <laughs> so, we wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think that Donald Glover or Donald Glover's character in it knows that too. Yeah. Knows that he, he gets isn't taken too. seriously because he doesn't have money and he's kind of been seen as this like money, like he was kind of seen as like this money grabbing douchebag. Right. I think. Because his own cousin doesn't trust him, but he's but he's hungry. Like he wants yeah. he wants to, even if it's for selfish reasons. Like he wants to make something of himself. Right. He wants and, to like and, be the guy who 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 puts Paperboy on the map. And I wondered, like, is that why this character's name is Earn? Like he's he's hungry. Like he wants to fucking make bills. Yeah, yeah. It might work on a couple different levels. That's how I saw it. Yeah. It seems like, and I don't know if like most writers actually are that careful about naming their main character, but. Um, I'll tell you what part made me laugh is when he was going over to see his cousin for the first time. Yeah. And you see one of the entourage guys in a mask with a knife ready to stab whoever yeah. it is who came over. <laughs> and the paper boy is just like, that's Darius. Actually, <laughs> there's a really funny scene in in the second uh, in the second episode where this dude just comes to the door with a Batman mask on. And that Darius guy answers the door and... The guy in the Batman mask is like, this where Paperboy live? And Darius goes, uh, y- yeah. And the guy just puts the mask down and sprints across the street. Okay. And then uh, Darius turns to Paperboy and he's like, yeah, you're too big now, man. <laughs> like basically like, I think we're going to get robbed because I just like tipped that guy off to where right. he live. Uh, I mean, I think I think it's easy. too hot now. That's what he said. It's easy to predict that the show is going to go that Paperboy gets famous, right? Like it's going to be about his trajectory into mainstream pop culture. I think so, and kind of the struggles on on him with the fame, and the struggles on Donald Glover with like balancing the family and still trying to get the money that he deserves from dude without making it seem like he's stealing anything. Yeah. Grinding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I. It's it's really it's really compelling. But and the, like the most like, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier. The most bizarre and like funny scene in the first uh, show was when he's when Donald Glover is on the bus with his baby. Oh my god! And this guy, <laughs> this like he's in a suit, huge guy, this black in a guy, suit, is putting Nutella on two pieces of bread. Yep, and basically like. Tells Donald Glover, he's like, you need to eat this sandwich after, <laughs> basically after like they do this, he's trying to like give Donald Glover, Glover advice. He spews it in a very poetic way though yeah. too. And it's very like, are you a guardian angel? He just kind of came out of nowhere and like he starts talking. To, it seems as though he and Donald don't know each other, but he right. just starts talking and Donald pulls off his headphones to listen. Yeah. And this guy scoots over and he just gives some advice as if he knows who he is. Right. And then you just see this cop drive by and then Donald Glover looks over and he's gone. And then he looks out the bus window and he sees this guy just walking down into the woods yeah, with this dog. With a dog. <laughs> and he's Donald Glover looks so alarmed, like what just happened? It would be so interesting to me if like every 10 episodes or whatever, he ran into this guy who just told him exactly what he needed to hear. Right. It would just be like a fun, like they don't do the guardian angel thing anymore in stuff. Yeah, be- you're right. Because it's hard to squeeze it in. Yep. 
But if you're not ashamed about it and it's just a weird scene every time, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I I I was a huge fan of it. it I, and if he was the guardian angel, which maybe he is, I, I'd be on board. Maybe not literally. Even I, I'd be okay if he was in like every episode. Yeah, just kind of like saying something. <laughs> He's the Wilson. Away. So yeah. like I, in the final act, right? <laughs> Ern always has to go find the guy on the bus. What an easy. Speaking of devices, what an easy device Wilson was to turn around every single episode. One of the most formulaic shows. I'm just I'm just gonna walk out in the backyard and figure out how this episode ends. He's gonna tell me exactly what I need to hear. He's gonna give me exactly the perspective of why what I said or did was wrong. Yeah. Then I'm going to go apologize to my wife Jill yep. using some kind of reference to a uh, car or or, a- or no or or some kind of proverb that Wilson gave me but i'm gonna get it wrong oh right and the audience is gonna laugh yes every single episode right i don't I think forgot so, that Tim. that was a thing too oh yeah oh yeah oh uh, man i i used to watch way too much of that show and i never even really liked it that much <laughs> like i just i have those shows you know that you just sat through yep like yeah i put it well and it's probably not even a show that you're like you, I put in the time, so I have to stick it out now. Like, that's how I yeah. feel about girls. Like, I'm watching girls just to watch it are at this you? point. Okay. But, like, there are shows that are are just meeting my, my criteria for I can sit through this. Right. And I'd rather be with it than be with my thoughts. Sure. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, I'll, yeah, and then that's probably one of them. Although, I think I watched it regularly without so much disdain for it. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until, like, you know, back before the days of complicated cable yeah or streaming you know you had kazaa where you could download like it would take like two hours to download a cool run dmc video where there's a lot of break dancing happening and you would watch that like a couple times and then be like okay i'm gonna try to download a couple more songs now (laughs) right and then you'd go to a friend's house that had like a really sophisticated kind of sophisticated like quick time setup Mm. where you could watch like a few videos at their place it's just too much stuff now yeah. And you can watch it in so many different places. It's just too easy. Uh, yeah, I don't even think there's too much stuff. It's just like pick, no, it's, pick right. whatever you want to learn or watch There's or too do. much stuff for anything to be the way it used to be, I right. guess is what I mean. It's like it's I don't like want how, it to be. It's like how Louis C.K. says, like, you can never be bored. Like, are you serious? Yeah. You're bored? And it's true. I'm not bored at all. I can always find something. There's all, like, I'm either like, okay, I should read, I should go work on this thing, or I should you know do my online banking or i should just like read a blog about saving money like whatever you shouldn't be bored that's and maybe boredom is going away i think i kind of think it is i i hope it is i think that that's probably a virtue of of this of this amazing wealth of information and entertainment we know it'll be interesting to see what happens when boredom completely goes away but maybe to take it back to the beginning of the podcast maybe social media is the replacement for boredom like oh i'm not bored right now because i'm on snapchat but it is my my baseline thing. Like, sure, I would do still... any I would do anything before it. Like, yeah. if there was someone talking to me, I wouldn't be Snapchatting. Right. But because there's no one talking to me, I guess I have to be Snapchatting. You have a better way of wasting time, and that doesn't involve you feeling um, dull about, which is what being bored is. Do you feel guilty when you waste time? Um, I I don't feel guilty as much as i just feel like stupid like ah why why am i on facebook right now when yeah. i could say so I, I guess it's guilt i have this thing where like i have a fun job that i enjoy doing but when i'm not at my job i am constantly 
looking for ways to make the most of the time where I'm not at work. Right. Well, you've been doing all this stuff. You've been like writing shit and painting stuff. and Yeah, but like a lot of that is just out of like this weird fear of just like sitting down like and not doing anything right but, but then again like what would that mean like i don't i don't really feel guilty if i sit down and i watch a few reruns for an hour or something yeah and i won't really feel guilty if i do it for more than that and if i'm with my girlfriend i don't really consider that being bored right because this is what we feel like doing together but if i'm not also offsetting it with these like personal projects i i find that i i, I get depressed yeah and then i and then i don't sleep Right. Yeah. And, that, and we've had that conversation before, too, where I'm like, that's good to just line up those personal projects. Like this fucking bike that I've been, like, I ended up getting for free and spending I probably like $350 on through the summer. Just Are you still it. biking? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I haven't been doing it to work as much just because there's so much more of an urgency for me to get to work to sure. like just get shit done. Like I've got... I thought I had a meeting today, so I would have biked today, but I thought I had this meeting this morning and I've been going to the gym in the morning. So it gives me less time to bike. And anyways, the fact of the matter is I was to the point where I was going to go to the casino with friends like two weeks ago and I was going to bring my bike just down to the casino because that's originally what I got it for was like when I've had like two to three beers and I'm like at the point where I'm too nervous to drive. Shouldn't drive. But no, I could bike, especially like in the like back roads. Sure. Um, That's a great idea. Yeah, I think so. And hopefully. There, have you ever run into, run into anybody who is not on board with that? No, no, I haven't, okay. honestly. Okay. But like I have run into people that are like, you know, you can still get a DUI for that. I'm like, well, I don't think I'm ever going to be at the point where I'm going to be anywhere close enough to getting a dui on my bike First of all, can you i think you can okay um, i mean i get it but you're not really putting anyone at risk but yourself not that that's a good excuse right but like really the dui stands to send home the message that you could have killed someone else doesn't it yeah i kind of think so it should or at least do serious damage to some thing other than yourself like, which i guess you could if you ran into a car if but you're so hammered that a cop is noticing it in your bike line then you deserve to get a dui at that point. well then you probably didn't bike home right <clears throat> right you you probably excuse me you probably um are are, are loopy and you you don't you just want to sit down you want to eat pizza you call a cab you're, yeah you're, you're right I would, I would leave my bike downtown you're absolutely right you're inhibited enough that you don't mind losing the 20 dollars to drive the cab home the main thing for me is not leaving my car somewhere downtown or or across the harbor to the point where i need to wake up in the morning and figure it out yeah i can just at some point in the day drive down pick my bike up put it in the back of my hatchback and drive home. The other thing is if you happen to be talking to a police officer, you're on your bike and he says, have you been drinking tonight? You say, yeah, well, I didn't want to drive. So I just took the bike. Yeah. He's going to go good for you. That right. was a smart choice. I think so too. I think. I, or you top off your bike and start walking it. And he's like, Hey, were you riding your bike? And you're like, uh, just for a second. Uh, yeah. I'm drunk. So I think I should walk it. Yeah. He's going <laughs> to yeah, go yeah. great choice. Let me give you a lift. <laughs> walking my bike. <laughs> yeah. Tie onto my bumper. I'll, drag you home yeah no that'd be perfect <laughs> a la marty mcfly 
Yeah. Anything else you want to say? We've got over an hour here, and I do, is there anything that we need to cut from this podcast? I don't think so. It's been I think fine. I think we kill. I think we went off in points we were supposed to go off yep. in. Uh, we, we had some important we, social discussions. We, yeah, yeah. I think we <laughs> covered all the bases. I yeah. think we solved most of the world's problems tonight. I feel better about the world in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I like easy. The pilot episode of Atlanta. I just wrote this down. I like the line: "VH1 is hiring interns," and that sounds like a joke, but actually, they tweeted that this morning. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, man, there was such a funny line that I was like, I'm going to need to remember that. And I don't exactly remember what it was anymore. But I think it was between the parents and and uh, Donald Glover. And I just can't, can't remember it at all. Anyways. You're going to watch more of both of these shows. I already have watched more of Atlanta. And yeah. I'm totally down to watch more of The Night Of. My parents watched The Night Of. Do you remember me saying a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that my parents were watching this show based on a BBC show? I was going to say, is, is it The Night Of? But I don't think I could remember the show at the time. Yeah, it was like brand, it was right when people were getting into The yeah. Night Of because it was running its, its finishing up its course. Yeah. They watched it and, you know, they were pretty satisfied by it. Yeah. But it, again, like it seems darker and gloomier than something, especially my mom would enjoy. Right. Like Stranger Things, I think happened at the exact same time and caught on because it was a little bit more accessible and not so dark it was charming sure. like there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing charming about the night of so far no besides i mean the like the, the good acting like yeah of course and it's great to i know see what art. You, i know what you mean by charming there's a certain like hint of something that is different all right the cat's starting to get restless so maybe okay. we should wrap it up yeah anything else you want to say about black lives matter or anything <laughs> No, besides the fact that they do. They do. No, they certainly do. That's uh, that's our that's our, our big uh, statement of the week. <laughs> it's not going to be our sign-off. We're not going to include that at the end of every podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably a podcast that does. Yes, you're right. Probably, we'll leave it to them. It's, it's probably more appropriate on that. probably one. happening. Never trust Will Smith. Mm -hmm. uh, don't edit your podcast. You can't edit life. Yeah. Let's never edit again. Oh my God, this just saved me so much time. Yeah. There's going to be some bad episodes though. Sure. There's bad <laughs> episodes of every podcast. There are bad days in the real world. <laughs> there you go. It's a realistic Sometimes. podcast. All right, You're pal. welcome, world. So, uh, never trust Will Smith. Yep. Never go outside. Never go outside. See ya.